beginning at verse 1 and through verse 11. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and so I thought I'd read um, this particular scripture, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind. Gale forced, no one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. When they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't, for the life of them, figure out what was going on, and kept saying, Aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various mother tongues? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya beyond the Cyrene, belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're, they're speaking our language, describing God's mighty works. Now, <clears throat> as we look at this Feast of Pentecost, and I thought I would give a little background today about what, the, what Pentecost is and where it began, how it began. Pentecost is a Christian holy day that celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit 50 days after Easter. So it's been 50 days, seven weeks and one day since Easter. And so this is the day called Pentecost. And some consider the day, uh, this day to be the birthday of the church, that the church, was, that the church began on Pentecost. Now, of course, we know that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God sacrificed on the Day of Atonement. So what we're doing is looking at the Jewish festivals, the Jewish feasts, and how that these particular ones uh, fit into the Christian church and what they symbolized in the Jewish tradition and how that they are part of even the church, uh, church's tradition. And Pentecost then is considered by many uh, the day that the Holy Spirit came that we read here in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, that the church began really to grow and come together. So originally, Pentecost, as we said, was a Jewish holiday, and uh, the Jewish festival had several names. And that is, and one of those names is the Feast of Weeks. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 to 16, from the day after the Sabbath day, you brought the sheaves of wave offering, count, count off seven full weeks, count off 50 days up to the day after the, 70th, after the seventh Sabbath, and then present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. So this, what happened is that we have um, Passover, okay? Passover is connected to the day that Egypt was, the children of Israel were in Egypt, Okay? And when they were in Egypt and Moses came before Pharaoh, you know, I've been watching Moses on TV. <laughs> you know, they had video cameras back then in the news. Okay? <laughs> so you have Moses 
coming, you know, anointed by God to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And uh, the last plague was the angel of death that came upon Egypt. And the, la- the angel of death was to pass over the homes that had the lamb. The Jewish families took the lamb, slayed the lamb, put the door- blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their home. And the angel of death would pass over all of the homes that had the blood of the lamb on the door. So from that occasion onward, even to today, it is Passover, the feast of Passover. When, and still celebrated by the, in, in the Jewish tradition, in the Jewish faith, it's still celebrated today. And in the Christian faith, Jesus Christ was crucified at Passover. Jesus Christ died upon the cross, the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the sins of the people in which God would pass over the sins in our life, remove the sin from our life, and we would have life in Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, so that sin would be passed over in our life. So the Feast of Pentecost then comes 50 days later, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. It is also known as the Feast of Weeks because there's seven weeks between um, Easter, Passover, and Pentecost. So it's also called the Feast of Weeks. It is also the Feast of Harvest. It is the Feast of the Day of First Fruits or Pentecost. Now, it was a festival of joy, Pentecost was, a festival of celebration, of thanksgiving, a completion of the harvest season. And I didn't realize this, that in these seven weeks from Passover to Pentecost was the time of harvest. There was the time in, in Israel in which they would bring in their grain. So it was the second major of the feast that all of the able-bodied Jewish males were required to attend. So at the feast of Pentecost, every Jew that was able-bodied had to return to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. That's what we read in Acts chapter 2, where these people had come from all over the world, and there was this outpouring of the Spirit, the Feast of Pentecost, that these people, these 120 in the upper room, who were all Galileans, began to speak and declare the glory of God in the language of these people who were there visiting there from out of town. It happened on this feast day. Hmm. So it was a celebration, was uh, a Sabbath, and it means that it was a very holy day. It was a sacred day, that there was, they were to cease from all of their ordinary labors, and they were to sit and worship and to think about God. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 21, it says, On that same day, meaning Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, Celebration of Harvest, You are to proclaim a sacred assembly and do no regular work. That is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come wherever you live. So this was 1400 B.C. that this holiday was instituted. And it is still a holiday celebrated in Jewish faith today, celebrated in the Christian faith as Pentecost. So remember the message last week where we had... um, 
Ruth and Naomi, and they, you know, she says, where you go, I will go, where you lodge, I will lodge, your people will be my people. Well, Naomi and Ruth come back to Bethlehem, and what do they do? Ruth goes into the field of Boaz to glean. Well, this was part of the harvest time. Leviticus 23, 21 says, 22 says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleaning of what falls on the ground of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So all of these, if you look at the, the, the segments of time, you look at the traditions of, of, of Judaism, and you look at the feasts of Judaism, we find that how that Jesus Christ fulfills all of these things and how that even Ruth and Naomi were able to survive from this one declaration that Boaz, in the, in the uh, book of Ruth, was gleaning his fields, his harvesters, and they were to leave the edges and so that the poor could come and could pick up their food so that they would have enough to eat. And so all of this, this celebration of harvest was an expectation of provision. So, I don't know, uh, if you, how many, how many um, raise a garden? You raise a garden? Yeah. How many have ever eaten vegetables from a garden? Yeah, there we are. All right. If you've ever planted a garden, you never know how it's going to turn out. You know? You never know how it's going to turn out. And, you know, and especially like in, and I remember in the springtime is planting the crops in the farm. You know, you never knew what the crop was going to be like. You didn't, because if you didn't get the right rain at the right time, nothing was going to grow. So you were always dependent on the growing season. And so we have these feasts that, like Passover, and then, then we have the feast of, um, what is it? What is it? I have it here in a minute. But anyhow, you have the feast of, is it first fruits? I'll get it to you in a minute. But anyhow, you have this feast in which you are to go and celebrate the harvest. The, you're going to go and celebrate the harvest that you are projecting and that you are to go to God and celebrate what God is going to give you before you even start harvesting. And it's like, you, and it's, you know, whenever we talk about our lives, that we are to have faith in Jesus Christ, we are to believe that God is going to do something in our lives, well, these feasts were ways that they would celebrate expectations of what God would do, and they were feasts of celebration of what God has already done. So, the, uh, whenever they would have the celebration of harvest, it was an expectation of provision to the point that they were going to leave some of their grains in the field for the poor. So they were not going, if you have a, any doubts about your harvest, you're going to make sure that you get every grain that you can. You know, I, I, you know if you go through some fields, now, I, I mean, I always look at fields, you got to see, in a little while they're planting cornfields and stuff, you can always look because it'd be a straight line. I always like straight lines. Uh, so if you come by my yard, I have my yard striped. It's not quite straight, but there's a few zigzags. But there's straight lines. You know, you got to have straight lines, okay? And what, you know, what I don't like is whenever they have splotches that they didn't cut. It's like, boy, they don't know how to cut their field. Well, in these days, they would have leave. They would deliberately leave parts of the field unharvested so that the poor, because the widows were beggars, 
The poor were beggars. They had no way to have provision for their life, and so they would go to these fields and pick up what the harvesters had left. So, uh, as the sower, there would be a prayer for the, that God would be the God of the harvest and that, that God would provide enough for them that whenever, whatever they took in would be enough so they would always leave some. And then the poor would pray for food that God would provide for them that the people who were the harvesters would leave some. So everybody here always down the line, we have this faith in God that God is going to take care of us. It's interesting to know that Pentecost and this festival of weeks was a harvest celebration. Pentecost is a celebration of the relationship that God has with us. The term weeks was to describe the time period from the beginning of the harvest to the end of the harvest. The barley harvest and finally the wheat harvest in which they would progressively ripen at different times during this, from Passover, they would bring in the green, shade, uh, green stalks and they would bring it as a wave offering to God. You know, where did we get the idea of waving our hands or raising our hands? It was actually from this feast here in which they would bring the offering. You can't wave a sheaf of green grain, you know, stalks. You can't wave it before anybody without some type of lifting. So they would have this celebration in which they would wave the offering. It was called the Feast of Weeks because God specifically told the, the sons of Jacob they, they were to count seven weeks from the first fruits and the morrow, meaning one day, seven weeks plus one day to the Feast of Passover. So there was the Feast of, of uh, First Fruits in which they would bring in the grain that wasn't quite ripe. There was a feast of waving it before God that this, this harvest that was still in the field was going to be enough. And then at the Feast of Pentecost, there was the bringing in of two loaves of bread, which would mean that they had, they had taken in their harvest and they had ground the wheat and they had made bread and brought the bread in as a wave offering to God. So there was a declaration of faith that God was going to provide. Then there was a declaration of faith God had provided and that God would meet all of their needs. And it was called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of First Fruits. We haven't harvested the grain yet. And it was these weeks, seven weeks plus one day to Pentecost, and all of the harvest would be brought in in that time frame, and then you would bring the bread into the temple and use it as a wave offering to God. So, as we see this feast taking place, this feast was to occur, as we said, 50 days, which means Pentecost, which is 50, and it was to be this first fruits of, uh, this was to be the place of, of celebration of what God had done. When Jesus Christ at Passover died on the cross, he rose from the dead, and what does it say about Jesus? He was the first fruit of them that slept. He was the first to be resurrected from the dead. He rose from the dead on the feast of first fruits. <laughs> they were to go and 
take some of the grain that hadn't, didn't ripen yet, they were to take it to the temple and wave it before God as a symbol of all of the harvest that would yet come. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he was the first fruits of them that slept, which happened on that feast day. He died on Passover. He rose on first fruits, the, first, the feast of first fruits. And he is the first fruit of all them that slept. Because he lives, we shall live also. It fits in that whole time frame. And see, 1,400 years before Christ died and rose from the dead, this feast was implemented. So, so we have this Feast of Weeks, which is symbolic festival, which points to the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of, the Christ, the birth of Christ, Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, this end of the seven weeks in one day, the celebration of what God has provided was the day of Pentecost in which the Holy Spirit came. And Jesus informed them, informed the disciples that they were to go. He spent 40 days with them after the resurrection. Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days, talked to them, and when he ascended to heaven, on the 40th day, he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait, and wait until you would be empowered from on high which is the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which is this feast of celebration. So the Spirit came on the feast of Pentecost, and he told his disciples that they would not be left abandoned, but he would not leave them comfortless, but he would come to them. And he would send another like unto himself. And when, when we look at this word another, Jesus is leaving, and he is going to send another, meaning the Holy Spirit, that we do not lose anything or gain anything by Jesus leaving when, he, when the Holy Spirit comes in our life. Because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, and that he gives to us, if Jesus were standing here, what counsel would he give us? Well, the Holy Spirit is here to give us that same counsel, the Holy Spirit is here to help us understand the scriptures and help us make application of these scriptures to our lives. It's about how that God is working in us and that the, the birth of the church came at Pentecost with the power of the Spirit, the another comforter, which Jesus promised would come. So the disciples were commanded to tarry in Jerusalem until the Spirit came. And the coming of the Holy Spirit would occur on the next Jewish holiday, which was Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest. And so it was a time in which the harvest was there and there was this celebration of what God would do. So for Christians, this, ever, this event of Pentecost celebrates the coming of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that, and as we look at this, it's important for us to realize how much God loves us. He's promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. I was, the sermon I was thinking of writing for today was about how that there's only um, one God. There's only one God. And that if you can, uh, I, I was thinking of the idea that here we are 
I think if there was something that we would classify ourselves as in this modern age is that we would have the God of the silver spoon. <laughs> We're the ones who are born with a silver spoon in our mouth compared to the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world hasn't, you know, they would think that we are absolute billionaires with what we, what we own and what we possess and the amount of money and things that comes into our lives. Uh, but we have this silver spoon mentality that, that we're, we're supposed to have things. You know, we're supposed to have things. It's, it's, our, it's our right. And the right that we have is the gods that we have. Sometimes it's a god of finances. But I was going to, you know, as we look at it, if we would take this candle and say, this candle is my god. Now, in ancient times, they had gods to everything. They had gods to everything. And if you left this god, you left without him, if you left it at home, you left, you abandoned your god, your god was no longer with you. And what they did was they had to do things to make this god happy. And how did they know that they made this god happy? Everything in their life would go well. Well, what happens in our life when everything doesn't go well? Did this god abandon us? And so in ancient times, they would, even, they would sacrifice, make sacrifices to this God that they created in order to make this, make this God like them. And so they would even sacrifice their children to this God. In Egypt, the Nile River was a God. And in the Nile was, would overflow its banks in the springtime and water all of the, you know, the lower lands of, of the Nile, and, would, and that would be like their prayer would be that the Nile God would provide for them. It was one of the major gods to the Egyptians. Where was Moses placed? He was placed in a basket on the Nile River. The great, one of the greatest gods of the Egyptians the God of Israel was placed there and became the savior of all of the Jewish people. The God of the Nile is not a God. It's a river. And sometimes we mistakenly make gods of certain things that are not really gods. They're blessings from our God. And the, and the day of Pentecost was how that that we believe that Christ came and spoke, and he died on the cross on Pentecost. And he rose from the dead Easter and the first fruits of them that slept. And that began the weeks of celebration or the weeks of harvest, the expectation of the harvest that will come. And so we have this feast. And then seven weeks later, we have Pentecost, the feast of harvest in which God has blessed us with a harvest. So we believe then that God speaks to us and how that the power of Pentecost and the power of the Spirit works in our life. We believe in the necessity of asking Christ to become our Savior, the necessity of asking God to work, to live in us and to live within our hearts. And the feast, all the feasts celebrated as Jewish holy days is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now, we believe that Christ is the one who works within our life. Now, these are, 
these are sacred holidays, and these are sacred texts. We believe that God breathed this scripture into people, that he didn't dictate. He breathed it into them and gave them, the, and this breath of God spoke, inspired men of God to write. And it is that same Holy Spirit that speaks to us and breathes into us the breath of life that when things don't go right, we don't have to make better, bigger sacrifices to this God to make him happy. The God of the scriptures is the God who speaks to our hearts and tells us of the divine provision that God has made for us. And I have a video that I want to show. It's about this individual that has a very distinct problem and, but doesn't see that as a problem. He sees it as a way that God has made provision for him. And, how, and, and what I'm looking for in this text and in this scripture and in this message is that the Holy Spirit speaks to our life. He speaks hope to us even whenever we think that there is no hope. And these festivals of celebration, even in a drought, even in a dry season, they still came with celebration of God's provision. And they, even in a dry season, they had to leave parts of their crops behind for the poor so the poor would eat and in provision that God would take care of them at Pentecost as a celebration, as a wave offering to God. But I wanted to show this, this film It's, it's written in German, but that's all right. It's speaking in English. <laughs> he wasn't ready. <laughs>
It should be impossible for me to get out of here. But it's not. You see, I will try 100 times to get up. And if I fail 100 times, if I fail and I give up, do you think that I'm going to get up? No. No.
I put that here is because when we think of Pentecost, we think of power and spirit and God at work. And we kind of have this kind of oblique picture about God. But whenever I saw this individual and how that God is working through him, see, that's the power of that spirit of Pentecost working in us. We think we have so many limitations, but they're just limitations that we create. God has a way of working in our life far beyond what we could ever imagine. And it isn't how many times we fall, it's how many times we get up. And just like he said, God works in a way. Sometimes we're expecting God to do a miracle in us, and sometimes we're the miracle for someone else. Just the way we are. And that's, I think that's where the power of the Spirit works. We understand the nuts and bolts, as it were, the festivals and the occasions and the power and the coming and all that, but unless that power of God works in us to create in us a clean heart, O oh God, renew a right spirit within me, it, that's the power of God alive inside of us. And that spirit makes the difference to us, in us, through us. And it is God, through the power of Pentecost, empowering our lives to go out and be the difference in someone else's life. Amen? Shall we stand? <laughs> Father, we thank you that you are with us and that we are uniquely your creation. And God, you created us with a purpose and with a passion. And Lord, there are these symbols and signs and festivals and things, God, that have been established 1,400 years before you were born. And yet, each of them point to your life and your gifts and your provisions. And God, your provision is still happening today in each of us. So we thank you, Lord, for your divine provision the, the giving, the coming of your Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But Lord, we thank you for the empowerment of your Spirit in our life today. Give us the strength. Renew us, O oh God. Bring your word alive inside of us that, God, we can be changed from the inside out. Thank you, God, for your divine provisions. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. <laughs>